Hello everybody, this is Bruce from Printavo, Simple Shop Management Software. Today we've got a very special guest joining us, Tom Bukovicius. He is a principal at Scoob Marketing. It's a company actually here in Chicago, and they actually help a lot of small, medium, and large businesses with their online marketing. And, you know, Tom writes a lot of incredible articles all over the web about getting your Facebook ads set up and tailored, tricks and tips, secrets, all of these things that you don't know about of how to use, you know, um, AdWords and Facebook ads, Instagram, all the rest, and ways to really hack your sales growth. And so I wanted to bring him on today to talk a lot about his background and experience and then also things that you guys, the print shop owners, can do to help grow your inbound leads and in your sales using online marketing. So, Tom, thanks for joining us. Really, Bruce, thanks for it. having me. So, just give us a quick synopsis of your background. So, uh, I guess from when I was a kid, uh, I was really interested in web. So, I built my first website when I was in the sixth grade. So, I learned HTML2 back when it was only you know, version 2. Uh, and and uh, since then, I was really interested in, in the web. But uh, as far as my further career... Um, I've spent uh, six, actually seven years in uh, commercial insurance, and uh, I've worked quite a bit in uh, finance and uh, strategy areas. But then what happened was um, I, I started an entertainment website. Essentially, I picked up what I was uh, pretty much. I picked up web projects again uh, from from uh, when I was a kid, and and uh, essentially grew that uh, website to fifteen thousand readers per month, and and I did that through SEO. So what happened was that people started asking me about how did I do that. And eventually, after I started helping you know, different friends, then you know, the network grew. Um, it, it, it led to starting, me, starting an agency. So we started in as, a, as an SEO agency and then later on started uh, PPC services and then eventually added uh, other things uh, to the offering. So uh, that's essentially the, the quick background. Now we just focus on uh, pay-per-click, and, and essentially this is all, all forms of paid media, which is paid search, paid social, and uh, display, and uh, conversion optimization, which is making sure that the, the traffic that we generate from all of these paid media channels turns into leads and uh, revenue. Got it. Now, you know, I feel like SEO is one of those things where – so many people can say they do it, but there's really, I feel like, a few core principles that that people can do with their websites just to make it SEO-friendly at least. Um, you know, what are some just basic tips that people can do to to make sure that they're optimized for their target audience? I would say there are a couple different uh, pillars that you have to pay attention to, and this hasn't changed uh, probably since '09 when, when, when I started this. Um, the first side is the on-page optimization, so making sure that your content and your pages are relevant to the specific audiences. And uh, the way we define audience is essentially a, a list of uh, search terms or keywords um, that you would be targeting. So, for example, uh, you, you can have one page about uh, one particular service. So your goal is to make sure that uh, your content is specifically geared for those particular keywords and their variations. And Google is smart these days, so you don't have to, you know, just you know, like have verbatim, uh, you know, variations of the words. 
Google can pick up the context uh, of uh, and and synonyms and and uh, just even like the the context of uh, your 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 copy, which could easily tell what the page is about. So number one, so the first side is making sure that the content is optimized essentially for a very specific audience, which is one page per audience or one page per keyword uh, theme. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's one side. So content, and I would say like another big thing would be besides the content, there's a bit of a technical side, uh, and I'm not sure what your audience or what what uh, content management platforms your audiences Not are on. WordPress. So if it's WordPress, there are a ton of plugins, but I would say like even if you don't use any plugins, make sure that your title tag is optimized for that keyword and it's uh, written in a way that it looks like a kind of like a, a, a good, um, almost like a, a headline for an app. So the so title it, tag, right, is the one that shows up in the browser tab? Exactly. And that's what uh, appears in most of the time. That's what appears in the search engine, which is you know the the big blue uh, the, the big blue link in the search results. So making sure that that aspect is optimized, and and uh, and then making sure that the content piece has uh, everything related to that particular topic. Got it. Okay. So so really setting up. You're saying one page. So for example, if they're doing live printing which in our space is like, uh, you know, they're setting up some presses and they're printing custom right for people on the spot, usually at an event of some sort. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, setting up one page, setting that title tag to be live printing something, you know, around that topic, and then really filling up the page with a lot of keywords around that, um, around what they're trying to target there. And and how long does something like this take for Google, or do you, should you submit it to go quicker to to be able to, you know, gauge performance? Uh, it it really varies, but Google is pretty quick to to, to index the content. But uh, I would say it, it can take uh, sometimes it can take hours, sometimes it can take weeks. So it really depends on how well your site is structured. That's that's one aspect. Uh, do you have access to the um, uh, to, to essentially Google's interface? There's you know there's webmaster tools essentially, um, yeah, like your own webmaster tools uh, suite. Um, it's uh, now it's called. Uh, hold on, let me tell you what it's. it's uh, it was webmaster for a long time. Now it's the Search Console. Actually, if you have access to that, you can actually manage submit that URL, uh, and uh, Google will index it uh, way quicker. Gotcha. Okay. So so looking at uh, Google Webmaster Tools or Search Console, be able to submit those pages in, and then what measure the performance? Uh, what would uh, – so, yes. So you could actually measure the performance. You can see if, if the page has been indexed, and then you will also notice a couple other things, which is the number of impressions – that you got against uh, different search terms that you appeared against. And then, of course, there will be other metrics, which is uh, the clicks, your click-through rate, and uh, average position. Now, with this, you know, in any sort of marketing uh, spend or time spent, how, how what's the best way to figure out attribution? So how, how to say, okay, we got this many sales from this channel. Is there a way of doing that? You know, for these guys, someone might be calling in from a Google search. Someone could be emailing. 
Um, do you just ask the customer and, and try to keep tally that way? What, what do you suggest? Well, I, I, I never like to uh, ask or, or I never like to rely on customers telling us where they found us because most of their answer will be, I found you on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> That's how most of the customers are. <clears throat> so uh, the, the reality is that uh, you have to pretty much identify all of the access points to you and your sales team, meaning if you have a website and you have various web forms, make sure that those forms are connected with your Google Analytics. That's one aspect and making sure that you actually track and set up goals for, for that. So mm -hmm. if anything happens, if, if someone submits a form, you want to make sure that the form can register and attribute traffic to, uh, to, to, to the right channel or actually leads to the right channel. That's one aspect. The other aspect is uh, phone calls. So uh, we like to work with a company called uh, CallRail, and actually we've written I've written an extensive article about CallRail and 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 about uh, phone tracking and essentially how it can help you to uh, better attribute your leads. So essentially the way it works is you you uh, include a essentially a piece of JavaScript code on your site, and what it does is you it, it uh, replaces your phone number with uh, a number of phone numbers that you work with essentially, and uh, and every time, pretty much for every new visit, for every new session, they represent a unique number. So if they call, if the prospect calls, it can automatically attribute the phone call to that particular visit, so you can actually register a lead and you would know where exactly the, that lead came from. So it's very useful. What, so is, that, what is that service? Call rail. Hall rail? No, no, call. Yeah, oh, call rail. Yes. Uh, there's another company uh, in, in Chicago, um, it's uh, called, uh, um, uh, it used to be called uh, uh, If by Phone, now it's uh, Dialog Tech, but they're more geared to, towards the enterprise level clients, mm -hmm. so they, they do a lot of automation, you can pretty much like, like, like if you think about a call center, they can pretty much like automate your whole call center, you know, they have like IVR, which is you can, you know, tell the operator, let's say if you're trying to reach someone and, and pretty much robot will direct the call, you know, directly to, to, to that department. So it's, it's, it's a smart technology, but if, if, if we're talking about small to medium sized businesses, and if you're looking for kind of like a quick low tech solution, I would say call rail would be very sufficient. Call rail. Awesome. No, that's good. So a combination of that, Google Analytics, you're saying, for tracking of people submitting contact forms based on different search terms and things. Um, where This kind of is related, but reviews. Uh, you know, as social proof is really important, and social proof, uh, for those who don't know, is a way for customers to see immediately, okay, hey, I'm not the first person here. There's other people or um, news articles or things written about this company to make them seem, you know, very legit and, and, and big. And so, um, reviews, how do people collect more reviews from their customer and, or maybe, you know, negative reviews happen too. So drowning out those. But see, um, there are a couple of different ways. One is that, uh, you can, uh, manually ask for your, uh, clients to, uh, to, to submit reviews. Usually it's tougher because, uh, it takes time, and, and not everyone is willing to do that. So even like the most satisfied clients will say, well, you know, I'll, I'll do that, and then they forget about it. So usually it requires a couple different follow-ups. Uh, now, 
since the reviews became much more in these days, as, as you have mentioned, there are different apps and services that you can subscribe to. And what these tools will do is essentially they will contact your customers on your behalf. So th those tools vary in terms of uh, pricing. Um, since we do e-commerce quite a bit, um, so there's a company called, um, so for example, you can you, you can use Trilet, use FIFO. FIFO is a company based out of US. No, I think it's based out of UK. Uh, Trustpilot is a uh, US based. But essentially, what you do is you you submit your customer database to where the, the the most recent orders, and based on the uh, order dates, and you can customize the templates and everything. They'll help you pretty much like the, they will do the uh, outreach, and uh, then they will start collecting reviews. Um, and and uh, that's kind of how it works. So how much are those services? Are those affordable for a small medium sized uh, business? So it depends on what you call affordable. So, uh, so there are services that uh, you know will, will will cost you like 150 bucks a month. Okay. And there are services. So depending on it, re it really depends on the volume of uh, your uh, transactions. But there are services like higher tier services that will cost you like 500 bucks a month. So it, it really depends on your size, and it really depends on how much, um, uh, how much pretty much like how much is per month because. The, essentially, the level of outreach varies, and and uh, those usually services will vary by that. Yeah. Okay. But that's good. I think 150 bucks definitely affordable, even for a small business. You know, the the amount of times, especially that I, if I'm looking to book a reservation for dinner, and I see a reviews of a restaurant that's maybe three, three and a half stars, it's just I don't even look more into it. And you know, unfortunately, even if that is based off only a couple reviews, um, you know, it, we don't even look right into those. We skip right over it. And, and so I just wanted to emphasize the, the importance of that for these shop owners is, is to make sure to start funneling those in. Now, if negative reviews, of course, they happen, how would you recommend handling it? Well, I think that ideally, so the, I think that there are a couple different Actually, a few different steps I would say. So first of all, you have to be proactive and make sure that you do all you ask. You do great work, right? And and you're also proactive of getting reviews of all your customers because um, it's it's better to be proactive than you know as opposed to be sitting. Forward, you know. Uh, so, but if they do happen, I would say this: uh, if if there's a way to even uh, prevent, and actually some of those apps allow you to. Uh, gauge the the level of your customer satisfaction. So, like, it's not one of those that I mentioned. I forget the name of the app, and I can find out. But essentially, the way it worked was, uh, they the, the the app sends uh, the customer a text message, and 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 it asks a question: Are you satisfied with uh, the services? And then the question says yes. Great. Then it goes to the review page. If the answer is no, then it uh, goes to another form which goes directly to the CEO of the company, make sure that pretty much like the complaint goes there and then the, the, the company is able to resolve that. So that's one way to kind of like prevent that. But if you get a negative review, I think that the best way is to contact, pretty much reply back to that review and, and uh, explain, you know, try to explain the situation and then uh, be available as a business to resolve that and offer to resolve the, the, the issue with the, the customer. 
because sometimes what happens is, let's say if you're growing fast and you know you're not handling your 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 uh, you know operations well, stuff happens. So and and if for some reason customers are were not able to reach out to you and uh, get their issues solved, or maybe they were, you're you're too slow to to, to respond. Customers are impatient, and then they're going to leave a bad review. So make sure that you know you offer them a, a good way to pretty much a quick way to you know uh, to resolve the issue. Because at the end of the day, you want to make sure that they, they you know they, they trusted you in the first place, and you want to make sure that they're satisfied, and you actually correct your issue and admit that you know hey maybe I would make a mistake. Let's yeah. find a way to make it right for you. That makes sense. So acknowledge it, put it on there, so it can publicly be seen. I've heard of that that rule that. Reviews are taken better, or people take them into account better if there are just a few negative reviews. So your overall rating is maybe four out of five, four and a half out of five, instead of straight five out of five, which may look potentially suspicious. Is that true? Uh, there are different studies about that, but I think that well, I would say yes and no. I think it really depends on the study. That's one thing, but I, I think that. With most businesses who are not that that are not super high volume, I would say like just getting good reviews in the first place. I would say like you shouldn't worry too much about that. Let's let's just make sure. That, let's see, even if you get like ten five out of five reviews, it's going to be way better than you know having like two, you know, with the average three point five, right? So I would say like I think it really depends on the, the the stage of your business. But I would say make sure that still you get most of your reviews uh, and and you know get your you know your reviews are are are, are good. And, and you can actually hear directly from the clients what the, what they have to say. What are some What are some other so on the PPC side uh, that stands for paid per click marketing? Um, yes, which includes a, a host of different channels. What are some recommendations that you have for small, medium sized business to to really start to dig into and, and be able to responsibly spend on uh, and, and see return on some of these different channels. So I would say I'll, I'll share a few different steps on how to kind of get started. And, and they're a bit, a bit more strategic. And then the, I will get it more into kind of like the tactical aspects. So with PPC, so so you kind of understand the, the depth. So you have uh, three major channels that, that you can look into. So the first one would be paid search, right? So paid search is essentially... Uh, traffic, paid traffic coming from Google, Bing, or, or let's say Yahoo Gemini. Those are the major search engines, and uh, essentially the, the traffic is driven by searches. So people are searching for things. You stick your ad in front of them on the top of the page based on the search terms, and uh, then you know they click on the ad, and then you know they, they go to your page and, and uh, they become a lead or, or, or they don't, right? Another side is uh, uh, paid social. So that's Facebook ads, Instagram, you know, it could be Twitter or LinkedIn. So essentially um, targeting people, targeting prospects based on their demographics, interests, uh, psychographics, all of that. But essentially the, the, the difference between the search and uh, social uh, is, is you're not targeting people with a specific intent but you're targeting people with a certain likelihood of uh, being interested in uh, your business. And then the third aspect is display. So, you know, simple like banner ads, 
that that would be you know uh, you, let's say uh, you know a banner ad on New York Times or a banner ad on like any other like a a, a magazine. So essentially, the concept is very similar to paid uh, social because uh, with 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 display you can uh, have different targeting methods as well. So it's it's more kind of like placements or or contextual advertising, meaning that with placements you can identify where does my uh, target audience hang out at? Like, what do they read, for example? Uh, so that would be one aspect. The other aspect could be, um, uh, so Google has a certain, um, uh, like, other targeting methods. So they could have, like, let's say, an in-market audiences. So based on uh, users' behavior on Google's properties, they can identify, let's say, uh, currently this person is interested in buying a vehicle within the next, let's say, 90 days because they have, you know, seen a lot of uh, car review sites and and maybe they visited Auto Trader and, and so on. So you can actually target by that. So I would say paid uh, paid social and display they're somewhat similar because you're you're targeting a one consistent audience that is likely to engage with uh, your offer. Versus paid search is uh, intent based advertising where people identify what they specifically need and you're trying to meet the demand with uh, with your ads and with your offers okay got it so the so you're saying the first step nailing the target audience who are you trying to look for and then kind of brainstorm where they might be what types of websites might they be on what are they looking for where do they live how old they are you know where do they even work right because you could target people based on that um Okay, so you have your audience, you know where they're at. Let's say, you know, this is a, a, a shop that's looking for um, larger Fortune 500 types of uh, contract clients, for an example. What would be the next step to getting into the PPC side? Because you mentioned three different things, paid search, social display, there's a lot going on. There's so many different channels to pick from. Um, you know, what's the next step? So the next step is to dig in into different uh, channels based on uh, your, your kind of like initial strategy. I like to answer four questions, like before, like I, like four big questions before I even uh, like go into anything, I- any specific channel. So one, identify who you're targeting, as you mentioned, Bruce. Then where are you going to reach them? Where can you reach them, right? Then how are you going to reach them? And then what are you going to offer them? Once you have that, then you need to dig in and identify the opportunity in different channels. So for the first example would be, let's say if um, you're using AdWords, so this is like a paid search type of a platform. So you need to identify different keywords based based on uh, what uh, that people may be searching for. So once you identify that, like what what, what are different keywords? Uh, we, we At Scoop, we like to identify different stages of the buyer's journey. So you can have a decision stage where they already know what they're looking for. So, for example, you know, if, if they're, let's say, in, in uh, your particular area, um, let's say someone is already looking for, let's say, you know, a, a, a screen printing services or a, a screen print company in Chicago right mm-hmm. that would be the decision stage someone's already they, they already know how to uh, pretty much like they already know what they're looking for right so mm-hmm. those types of keywords would be in the decision stage then we have consideration stage which is kind of like above the decision stage where people are evaluating different options and then there's a, the awareness stage which is pretty much like they have no idea what they're looking for they kind of know 
the problem, but your goal is to kind of catch them before they even, uh, you know, get to the you know, further stages and identify, pretty much educate them and nurture them until they get to that stage where they're ready to make a decision. So once you map, once you identify those keywords and map them to the, the different uh, uh, buyer stages, the next step is to identify the total opportunity. And the way you do that is you gather keyword data, search volume, essentially, uh, for, for different keywords that you may be targeting. So you identify which geographies you, you'll be targeting and then understand um, uh, understand what type of search volume you have for those keywords. So so then you know, like, I have, let's say, 100, uh, like, my list of keywords has 100,000 searches per month. Now, based on, let's say, my estimated click-through rate and the amount that I'm willing to bid, and Google has a simulator, so you can it can say, all right, well, for this keyword, you let's say, or for this group of keywords, I can bid X, right? So in that particular case, you can actually estimate your click-through rate. So then you'll know that, let's say, you get from your 100,000 searches per month for your target audience, you'll get 1,000 clicks per month to your store. Now, if the average, let's say, cost per click is $5, well, you'll be spending $5,000 a month on, on that particular audience, right? Now, the next step, of course, is what do you do with those clicks? Of course, you know, you want to make sure that uh, you understand the numbers well, right? So in order to understand the numbers well, you have to know a couple things. So you have to know your conversion rate. Uh, so the conversion rate is essentially the rate that uh, your clicks or your, your traffic turns into leads. Remember when we talked about the previous step, which is making sure that we track everything. So let's say we identify that uh, our click-through rate, actually, our conversion rate is 5%. So then we know that we will, you know, out of those thousand clicks, we will generate 50 new customers. And then depending on the average order uh, value, I'm not sure, like, what is the average order value for, for, for some of these contracts? Yeah, so it can really be all over the board, um, right? You can have a small order that could be a couple hundred dollars. You can have a massive order that could be twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 easily. So um, it, it, it depends on the ring. Okay. So, anyways, so 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 let's say let's say you know the the low end, right? So let's say if it's a couple hundred dollars. So let's say if you get a thousand clicks times five percent conversion rate, which is like fifty new customers. So you multiply that by uh, two hundred dollars. So essentially, you will be able to generate ten. Like with a five thousand dollar investment, you'll be able to let's say generate uh, ten thousand dollars in revenue. So that's that that's kind of like what what you kind of get. So so making sure that you track everything and then you can actually generate the the measure and understand like what you're getting out of your investment got it okay so to review really quick we talked about nailing the conversion and figuring out that that funnel essentially now this is going to be difficult i could see easily for people but i think between call rail for phone numbers um between um tracking it on the contact form with google analytics you know, which you might have to hire someone with a little bit of, of HTML knowledge for. That point is really, I think for us too, it, it's difficult, but um, very important to put effort into that so, so that folks know where to and not to spend money. And then, and then you're saying signing up for an AdWords or Facebook ads account or LinkedIn ads account or any of these, um, maybe even Pinterest ads, whatever, and then being able to target 
you're saying the audience to the audience that we said these are the exact people we want and then essentially finding out the math behind it right which how long do you think they should run it before they can accurately look at the data and say okay we spent x amount of dollars we got this amount of sales back um is it a month is it two months um, I would say that we shouldn't be looking at the the time period just uh, you know just for the sake of looking at the time period. I was, mm-hmm. We have to look at the data. So it it really depends on how much data you can generate. So the way I would look at into let's say you know what would be let's say you know versus like a month or two months. Let's say if you can generate one thousand clicks, and then based on those thousand clicks. How many customers can you generate? I think that would be a little bit uh, more useful metric mm-hmm. because every company will have a different uh, budget. Mm-hmm. And a month is not the same, let's say, a month for a company that's spending 1000 versus a company that's spending 10000 a month will be very significantly different, right? Just mm-hmm. because they generate a completely different amount of data. Because a thousand, let's say a month, let's say if you just, you know, let's say if you generate, let's say a hundred clicks a month, it's not enough data. Let's say you may be able to get a couple of sales, but really, um, will will this really help you to determine with statistical, statistically significant confidence if this uh, was a good investment? Probably not. So I would say, let's say if you get, let's say a thousand clicks to your site, I think that would be the, like the the minimum. Uh, amount that that you can actually you know spend or that would be the minimum amount of uh, traffic that you can actually see. All right, well, how many of uh, how many of them did I actually convert? Gotcha. And then based on that, you know, continue to to reevaluate the numbers. Mm-hmm. Okay, got it. So it's really how much data you collected, trying to get to call. You said a thousand, you know, actions, clicks, before making a good decision on if it's worth it or not. Yes. Um. So what about, you know, how often should you tailor the ads and play with different creatives and and things? Like, should this be a daily or weekly, or is that all the data, too? Like, say I launch a campaign. It doesn't really seem that I'm getting many clicks. Um, Maybe it's the audience I'm targeting. Maybe it's the creative I'm using. What do you try for next? Do you try to switch the ads around and, and play around with that? So the way we like to look at things is uh, essentially like to break everything down into three major components. So one is the targeting, then the ads, and then the landing page because they all have to work together. So it really depends on what type of problem you're getting. So first first example would be, let's say, if, if, if you're getting a lot of impressions, but you're not getting enough clicks, right? Mm-hmm. So then you need to optimize for a click-through rate and making sure that your 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 targeting is uh, set appropriately. So you you know, so you're targeting the right uh, the right people and and uh, you have the right exposure to that targeting. So what that means is that you can you, you can be targeting the right audience, but let's see if you're not bidding enough, your position can be very low and uh, only a very small portion of your audience can actually see your ads. Mm-hmm. So naturally, your click-through rate will be very low, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, also, another uh, another example would be, let's say, if your impressions are low, maybe your keyword strategy is incorrect, or even like it, it could be even like the Facebook audience strategy. Maybe you, you narrow it down too deep, 
where you you know where you're reaching a very very small targeted audience, but at the same time you know that you don't have enough people that that you would want to have that you could actually get a good reaction because ideally you have to look into this you have to look into the impressions and then the clicks so the click through rates really varies by industry but let's say if you have let's say one or two percent you may be okay in some areas in some industries and depending on like on on, on your targeting and other aspects you can have like a five percent sometimes even like a you know ten percent sometimes even like a higher depend depending on like what you're targeting mm-hmm. and how well your uh, ads are set up how well your targeting is so it really depends on the problem that you're trying to solve so like going back to the traffic so Targeting can be a big thing. So if you're not getting enough clicks or if you're not getting enough impressions, that's kind of like one thing. Um, the other aspect is, let's say, if you're not getting enough clicks, then you can look into your ads and then you can see and compare how your ads react to your targeting. So, for example, maybe your ads are not very relevant. And specifically, let's say maybe you're, uh, let's say, if you're targeting one specific keyword, for example, let's say, um, let's just pick up, you know, uh, screen printing uh, services, Chicago, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, if your ad is not tailored well to the audience, to the intent of the person who is searching for that keyword, you may have a low click-through rate. So what you may need to do is you may need to evaluate your ad and say, all right, well, let me test a different version just to see if my click-through rate will be better because mm-hmm. it closer matches to the intent of the search term. Mm-hmm. Now, once you get clicks to your site, the next thing is what happens after the click, right? And that's usually your landing page. Uh, so you want to make sure that you know the, your exact conversion rate of, of, uh, of uh, let's say, your, your your campaigns, and then you know you can even drill all the way down to your keywords. And based on that, you have to see how well the landing page corresponds to your targeting and your ads, because your targeting pretty much helps you to get in front of the right people. Your ads give them a certain promise to what they're searching for, right? Mm-hmm. And then the landing page has to deliver. So you have to make sure that you have a full continuity from your targeting and ads. You have to have a clear and compelling call to action. Um, ideally, if you have a clearly visible phone number or a clearly visible form that uh, your prospects uh, could uh, complete right there on that landing page, mm-hmm. That would increase the chances of the the the, the you know the, the the people you know completing the form or calling you. Also, we briefly touched on social proof. Uh, if the prospect is shopping, if they're actively shopping, they may be looking at a couple other sites. So, making sure that you have enough social proof so they value spending their time on calling you or or, or completing a form. Um, social proof can help you significantly with that because if, if you have to make a decision, let's say you want to talk, let's say you checked out five different print shops, you saw two with good reviews, then you may want to talk to them first as opposed to talking to all of them just because, like, why bother if, if, if this, you know, like the, these other shops have no reviews or they have uh, poor reviews. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Now, um, retargeting. This is another one that I recommend for shops to, to dabble with, especially mm-hmm. as I feel like people need to see a brand a couple times. Where where should what is retargeting, and how can a SMB small medium sized business be starting or start to get involved with it? So one prerequisite with 
retargeting is making sure that you do get enough traffic. So the question is, uh, do your shops have enough traffic already in order for them to start with retargeting? So that's like making sure that that aspect is because if, if you don't have enough traffic, then your first goal is to do targeting, which is, you know, maybe, you know, accessing new audiences through Facebook AdWords or other channels, right? Okay. Um, so, or if you're getting a lot of organic traffic, great, you know, so let's say so making sure that you do get enough traffic in the first place in order for start with retargeting. Now, with retargeting, I actually have written an extensive, actually I've done webinars, podcasts, and, and uh, articles about uh, retargeting. We, de we developed uh, our own methodology. It's called uh, Retargeting Matrix Framework. And later on, if you want, we can you know link up to those uh, resources. But essentially, the sure. way we look into retargeting is you want to segment your audience, segment your visitors based on the parts of the site that they have visited. Mm -hmm. And there's a very specific reason why we do that. So a person who, let's say, if, if they saw the homepage, for example, that and then they bounce after that, they would be a completely different person from the person that saw, let's say, multiple of your service pages, and they would be completely different to, to the person who saw your, let's say, or who went to your contact page but did not uh, complete the form, right? Because there are different stages. So the per so with the first stage, for example, if you're targeting uh, just folks who just went on your homepage or like maybe they got on your one of your landing pages and then they bounced. Your goal is not necessarily to try to sell them, but your goal is to get them to your service pages to promote them to the next phase, right? Sure. So that's one area. The, the second area, once you get to the, you know, once you know that your prospects have been to certain pages, for example, certain, uh, um, let's say, service pages, your goal is for them to, you know, to, to convince them to get to the contact page because they already know what you're doing. It's, you know, you need to serve that, you know, your retargeting ads as a reminder uh, to get to the contact page. And, 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 and the same thing with, uh, with, with the third uh, type of a segment, which would be, let's say people on your, uh, um, on, on, on your uh, contact page, for example. Mm -hmm. So, so one thing is that you want to segment your uh, retargeting audiences in terms of the different tools right now, there are so many tools available. Uh, a while ago, it used to be, you know, just a couple of different tools. Like it started with a uh, retargeter and then there was perfect audience. And then there was, a uh, um, uh, forget the name of the third one. Um, <laughs> Uh, Adroll, that, that was another one. Now you can uh, do retargeting uh, on the pretty much all of the major platforms. So you can do AdWords remarketing. So AdWords calls retargeting as remarketing. It's, it's, it's kind of their term. But essentially you can do re, re, uh, retargeting on a couple different levels. So one is you can segment your visitors based on the site, parts of the site that they have visited. So this is what I have discussed them. So you can, uh, you know, you can uh, uh, serve banner ads to those folks, and then you need to create different segmented uh, banner ads, mm -hmm. uh, and and uh, so you speak to the context of the last relationship between you and your your prospect. Like where did they leave off? So you can actually continue the conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, another aspect that you can use retargeting is if you have a large customer base. You can upload your customer list to, let's say, AdWords or Facebook, and uh -huh. then you can run ads to, um, to, to pretty much to, to your existing customers. Now, one would question, like, why would you want to do that? Let's say if you already contact them, you have your contact information, you can contact them through email. You could do that, but if you look at the average email open rates, so for example, an e-commerce rate, it's a, 
in e-commerce industry, it's, it's about like 17%, right? So what, what does that mean? So that means about 83% of uh, people that you email don't even open up your email, right? Mm -hmm. So retargeting could help you cover the gap between what you use for your email outreach to your existing customer base and where they actually see your ads. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so following up and even just like having them know that, that you're still there. I mean, one of the things is, you know, along with email marketing is hitting them from different angles and this is just part of the equation. Yes, yes. And at the same time, you want to make sure that, so there's there's one actually important thing that, uh, that, that uh, everyone has to be aware of is check your frequency. So here's what it means. So I think it's, it's, it's kind of like a big rookie mistake that uh, a lot of uh, advertisers do. Mm -hmm. So you want to make sure that you don't annoy your audience, right? And uh, there's a metric uh, both in Facebook and in AdWords, and it's uh, called frequency. So frequency means how many times did your user see your ads within a given period of time? Mm -hmm. So if, if, you know, if, if, if your frequency is high, let's say if you have a you know, frequency of 10, your prospects may be annoyed to the point where they don't want to hear it from you anymore. So you want to make sure that you, you kind of watch that. Okay. So, so make, and and the, both, I would say both platforms, AdWords and, and uh, Facebook, they have, uh, you, you can actually set caps on your frequency. But you need to make sure that you, you kind of monitor that. So you can actually set, for example, with an AdWords, you can go in and you can uh, set your frequency to, let's say, uh, no more than uh, five impressions per one week. So that means you're pretty much an average person in your uh, retargeting audience will not see your ad more than five times in one week. So in that case, they kind of see here and there, but at the same time, they're not overwhelmed with your ads. What is the what is the number that they you should be looking to not exceed? I would say it's 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 testing. Like you, you gotta test because like in in some actually it's interesting. Like it can be two to three, right? But at the same time, with some audiences with a that, that we have tested for our clients, uh, we exceeded like even five. And people still bought. So it depends on like what you have to offer and what your relationship is with uh, uh, with with uh, your audience. And then based on that, you can kind of adjust. But I would say look at the data. I would say like one big takeaway like from our whole conversation about PPC is that make sure that you actually uh, look at the data first mm -hmm. and then make decisions based on that. Because sometimes, like I would say, like there's no one rule for everything. But at the same time, like once you analyze the data and and once you let's say compare your frequency with your conversion rate and you, like your your reach, then you can kind of determine. All right, well, we tested our frequency at three and it kind of it worked out. But let's see, what if we push the envelope to five? Right? Actually, we did increase our order. Well, that means you know what? We'll keep it at five. In some areas, we'll need to dial it down to let's see three or two. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Okay, that's super helpful. Well. Tom, this has been really great. Uh, this is a lot of interesting advice that I think is all over the internet, but it's hard to pick one kind of source and, and say, okay, I'm going to follow this and at least just get started with it. So I really appreciate the time. If there's one takeaway here or something to try or one thing to do, what would it be? Uh, good question. Uh, there are a few. I would say this. Um, I'll give a couple takeaways. So one thing is that always make decisions based on data. Mm 
Mm-hmm. That's one thing, uh, because that's that's what's going to happen with uh, with uh, pretty much all paid platforms. You you do get access to lots of data and make sure that the, the data leads you all the way to success. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. The other thing is that uh, be patient and uh, test and and break things down into smaller components. So as I've mentioned before, um, let's say. Don't throw in the towel and, and say like, well, AdWords is not working, or or let's say Facebook is not working. Uh, break it down into components. For example, uh, if something is not working, understand if your targeting is done correctly, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, eliminate all of the potential issues with your targeting. Then go to your ads. Do your ads align well with your targeting? And then finally, your landing pages. Uh, can you eliminate any issues and fix those issues with your uh, landing pages? Mm-hmm. So I think that. Break everything down into little pieces and problem solve each each piece. That will help you significantly because usually the sum of all of these components improved uh, together will lead you to successes. Like there's no magic bullets, I would say, (laughs) in in, uh, marketing. It's pretty much you have to execute and you have to keep testing. You have to keep improving all the time because things are moving fast. Sure. And you have to adapt. Well, perfect, Tom. I appreciate the time. This has been super helpful and informative. Um, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners out there will, will take some notes and, and really make action out of it. So thank you again. I really appreciate the time. Yes. Happy to help. And, and uh, it's been a pleasure being part of your podcast. Oh, appreciate it, Tom. This yes. is Tom Bukovicius from Scoob Marketing. Thanks. Thank you, Bruce.